I was grateful to Valerie, who took the time to meet with me in her office for an Orange Sox interview about her son Jace, who was diagnosed with cocaine syndrome at age 7, although they knew Jace had challenges much earlier. Cocaine syndrome is a very rare genetic condition that is fatal. Jace lived 20 years and passed away just 12 weeks ago. Valerie had to become Jace's champion, having to fight for insurance coverage for essential procedures to help him. Her advocacy is now benefiting many other parents who have sought Valerie's advice on various issues. She is even starting a nonprofit organization called Team Jace to benefit others. Valerie, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me to talk about your son Jace. Tell me, when did you find out that he had Cockaine's syndrome? Yes, he was seven and a half. We had been searching for many years. Cockaine syndrome is progressive, so as time goes on, they develop more and more of the symptoms. In the beginning, he didn't have a hearing loss, and that's one of the big things normally. He did have microcephaly, small head size, and he was very sensitive to the sun, which I assumed was because he was my child, blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm fair, I burn easily. It's funny now looking back because if you type in microcephaly and sun sensitivity, the first thing that comes up is cocaine syndrome. But it was not one of the symptoms that I ever threw in that basket. I thought that was just one of those kind of neutral things that really didn't matter. We started taking him to dermatologists at about two and a half years old because even with tons of sunscreen on, he would still burn and blister. His eyes would burn. We had been to several dermatologists. Actually, the person that first said cocaine syndrome to us was a dermatologist at Primary Children's. Interesting. And this is a rare condition. Very rare. And tell me a little bit about how you were actually able to confirm the diagnosis. At that time, there was no testing available in the United States. I found a doctor in England that could do the testing. They did skin biopsies at Primary Children's, put them on a plane, got them to him as quickly as possible. He cultured those cells. And the testing is actually exposing those skin cells to UV. Mm. All of us are exposed to UV every day, even though the fact that Jace was very sensitive to sun. He didn't sunburn like a typical person. Jace didn't have any reaction at all for about 24 hours. And he would get just blistered and tons of swelling. Finding out about the diagnosis, tell me about that day when you've actually found out that he for sure had that diagnosis. That was a tough day. It was the 20th of May. I was home alone with my two kids. My husband was at work and I got an email confirmation that they had found cocaine syndrome in Jace's cells. I had to contact his geneticist, which kind of just started this ball rolling. The geneticist wanted him to have a, another MRI. One of the symptoms for Cockaine's kids a lot of times is calcifications, either in the basal ganglia or in the cerebellum. Jace had had MRIs before, but did not have the calcifications. But because Cockaine syndrome is progressive, what they didn't have in the past doesn't mean much. So they scheduled an MRI, it had to be sedated because, you know, he was seven, but yet he was functioning more on like a three or a four-year-old level. He had calcifications in both places, which is also another rare thing. Most kids have them in one or the other, which was just, you know, that 
punch in the gut you get as a parent. We can't fix the syndrome, but what can we do to help him? He was very thin. He was seven and a half, but only weighed 35 pounds. So I started pushing for a feeding tube. That was not an easy road. It was a rare syndrome. The doctors had not seen a child with that syndrome. And so it's not a set out treatment plan. Once I finally got the doctors to understand that this kid won't eat ice cream, he won't eat candy bars, he won't eat cookies. It's not like I'm trying to feed him brown rice and I can't get him to eat. He won't eat anything and he won't drink. I would say, if you want to ride your bike, you have to drink two sips of this. And I mean, that was our entire day. He was having a lot of issues because he was so dehydrated and because he was so malnutritioned. And when I finally talked, forced is probably the more accurate word, the doctor to do the surgery, my insurance didn't want to pay for it. So then we had to go through all of the jumping through hoops to convince the insurance company that this was necessary, even though he was on like probably the fifth percentile for weight because of it. We still had to go through a month of meeting with a dietitian and following what they suggest to do, which of course didn't help and he actually lost weight. They suggested that we offer food and if he doesn't eat it, then he doesn't get to eat until the next meal. Well, Jace was fine with that. Jace thought it was awesome that he never had to eat, so he lost weight. He had very extreme reflux, so the feeding tube surgery was not just a simple outpatient. He had to have stomach surgery as well, the fundoplication for the reflux. Even after that surgery, the doctors wanted to treat him like the typical seven-year-old, and they sent us home with a feeding plan where he was supposed to have eight cans per day. He had a feeding tube for 13 years, and the highest we ever got was five cans. Mm. Probably one of the hardest parts of the syndrome is that even the doctors that are trying to help are not sure how to help. In a lot of ways, their suggestions hurt us, and I kind of had to decide that maybe they didn't know best, which was not my natural perspective with a doctor. When this journey of mine and ours started out, I believed you do what the doctors say. They know. I'm an accountant. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's best, but I did find throughout that journey that I know my son best. I know what's best for him. It took a lot of time and research and spending time with him to know what worked and what didn't. There were several heated discussions I had with doctors because they're doctors. And yeah, they know you so. probably did actually have more knowledge about the syndrome than the doctors because they're probably only going to see one right. or none in right. their entire practice. Right. Jace's geneticist um, was towards the end of her career. She had seen one other child with Cockaine syndrome when she was in her 20s. It was even a different type. Jace had type 1. Type 1 children are normally born pretty healthy. They develop normally till they're about a year old and then they start to struggle. Jace was born with a small head size, but normal head size. By the time he was a year old, it was not even on the chart. But he walked at one year old. Between one and two, when they start to combine words, he wasn't. Sure. We're very lucky in our area. We have a wonderful special needs school. He started there at three. 
and he went for 17 years until, you know, we put him on hospice and he really couldn't go much anymore. So what's been the hardest part with uh, Jace? Because he's passed away. Right. He lived until he was 20, 20 years mm -hmm. old and he passed away just a handful of weeks ago. Right. He passed away the 25th of May. So it's been 12 weeks. Not very long. But in terms of that 20 years, what would you say would be the hardest thing? Ugh. Watching your child suffer. Knowing that you have to allow a doctor to perform things that are painful, but they have to have it. There are so many times that I would say, I wish I could do it. I wish I could let them cut my Achilles tendon and tear it and cast me and, you know, things like that. That was difficult. But Jace had a very positive way of looking at things. He wasn't a complainer. He didn't cry and whine about the pain. He was a tough guy. So it made that part a little bit easier. The progression of the syndrome, constantly watching him lose abilities was this difficult. Because this is the fatal right. syndrome. Always fatal, absolutely. At one point he would ride his pedal bike without training wheels, pop wheelies, and slowly lost that ability. And you make adjustments, you got him a trike. He could ride a trike. Couldn't pop wheelies anymore, but he adjusted. And like I said, he had this great outlook that he didn't say, I don't want to ride the trike because it makes me sad. You know, I want to ride the T-wheeler. He's like, oh, awesome, blue trike. If it was blue, you'd get Jace to do just about anything. Jace made a lot of those things easier, but it's tough to watch a sweet person just continually lose. What were some of the joys? Jace, that kid. Jace had no concept that there was anything really wrong with him. He was only four foot two, but he thought he was a six foot tall man. He thought he was the strongest person ever. Watching him with people, watching those kind of callous, kind of closed off people. They had no weapons towards him whatsoever. He had a way with people that I've never seen any other person have this skill that he could just instantly melt people. He really had a loving way about him. Most of us think by the time we get to be about nine or ten years old, we start to worry about what other people think and how we look and more of the worldview. And he was never affected by that at all. Interesting. Now you have two other I just have three other sons. Three other sons. Mm -hmm. Are they older or, or younger? Okay, so the oldest one, he's 23. He's technically not my child. He's my stepson, but I love him to death. Then Jace. And then I have an 18-year-old son. And then we adopted a baby. We've had him since he was born. He's seven now. Okay, so what was the impact of Jace's life on your family, your immediate family, as well as your extended family? It's tough. It's very, very tough. Jace required 24-hour care. That type of care changed over the years, but he's always required eyes on. He couldn't be left alone for five minutes. He was a 24-7 kind of kid. Your life adjusts for that. One of the 
biggest problems is the other kids. When Jace is in pain or he's sick, of course he's the top priority. And what does that mean? That means the other kids have to be second. It's a struggle because I am one of those kind of moms that my kids come first. Me and my husband, we didn't go on dates. We've never been on a cruise. We've never been overnight away from our kids. It just wasn't an option with him. He was very much a mama's boy. And if I was within two feet, he was perfectly fine. But if I wasn't, he was very unhappy. That's probably one of the hardest things is the other kids have to learn that they're not quite as important. And that's their perspective. I mean, definitely not my perspective. I always read my kids' stories and cuddled them to sleep every night. But my kids have grown up thinking that I love Jace more. And that's hard for me to take. If I came to you just having received the diagnosis that I had a child with the same syndrome and I was seeking your advice, what advice would you give me? There are two organizations that support families. Here in America, um, Share and Care, Cocaine Syndrome Network, it's wonderful. They have a retreat every year. We've gone to several, but the last five or six years we haven't gone because it was just so tough for Jace to travel. There's one in England called Amy and Friends, which is ran by a dear friend of mine, Jane Hughes. I would say number one thing, get in contact with these people. They will get you linked up with all of the parents. Number two, keep your kids out of the sun. Number three, don't give them medication unless it's absolutely necessary. They wanted Jace to be on baclofen at a very young age. I refused. We did water therapy, physical therapy, essential oil massage, everything we could think of. But a lot of the Cockaine's kids struggle with liver issues, kidney issues, and you pump your child full of medications, it takes a toll. I would also say, take a breath, try to enjoy today. Because when you know the cliff's coming, you kind of brace just naturally. It took me a little while, probably about a year, to realize I'm not making memories. I'm so fixated on this disaster that's coming that I've missed out on what we're doing today. And I say this to all my friends, even the people that have typical kids. Take five minutes, sit down in the dirt with your kids. I think it's even more important when you have a special needs child. And it's as important to do that with your special needs child as much so as your typical children. Just five minutes. Our world is just out of control. We're all running as fast as we can possibly run. But looking back, you know, now that Jace is gone, the things that I remember are those little five minute things that we stopped and picked the sunflowers. And silly things. Jace loved pocket knives. And Jace would say, I was so good, Mom, I was so good. Could we go to Cabela's? I want to buy a knife. And I didn't want to go, but we'd go anyway. And looking back now, I'm so glad. Those decisions that you make when you're tired and you really don't want to do it. And it doesn't necessarily need to be buying something, but just some little thing. Make a memory today, something that's going to stick in your head. The things that I did that I thought made me a good mother, are not the things that 
my other kids remember. You know, making sure that dinner's on the table, making sure that they're clean and, and they have clean clothes and then they get to school on time and they did their homework and their homework's in their backpack and their backpack's by the door. Your kids don't care about that. I mean, I think it's important. It's not something that's gonna help your child to become a balanced, loving adult. That's just kind of the noise in the background. Make sure that you're taking the stuff that really matters, that five minutes. You got a definitive diagnosis when he was seven. You right. knew he had issues before, but you didn't have a label for it. Right. He lived 20 years, you cared for him, you saw him progress, you saw him regress. Had the battle with insurance companies and who knows what else in that 20 years uh, that you had to deal uh, with him. Was it worth it? Oh, absolutely. My life is, hmm. Different doesn't describe it because Jace, those last few years, he couldn't swallow. So I developed this almost like ninja hearing that I could hear him even if he was in the other room, if he happened to swallow a little bit odd. He was a silent choker, never made a noise, never moved his hands. He would just be choking. And so it's difficult to stop that. That's my struggle now, is to try to revert back to a mom of three healthy boys. I don't need to have this super hearing. It's not going back as quickly as I thought it would. You talking about fighting with insurance companies, I'm an expert at that. If you have a handicapped child and you're told that something's not covered, fight it. I am a force to be reckoned with when it comes to those kind of things. Jace went to physical therapy three times a week for 11 years because I wouldn't shut up. I actually sent a spreadsheet comparing a year's worth of physical therapy treatment to a surgery with a picture of Jace, registered mail to the benefits coordinator of my husband's employer. And I didn't just do it once, I did it many, many times until they finally just issued an override because I said, this isn't saving you money. It's not, I would always appeal, but even when the appeal was denied, I didn't stop at that. My son received excellent care in so many ways. I mean, if it would have been up to the insurance companies or even the doctors, because a lot of time the doctors, they realize it won't be paid for, so they don't want to even offer it to you. I'm starting a nonprofit called Team Jace. One of the number one things that I would like to focus on is helping people get the equipment that their child needs. A big part of it is just going to be an exchange program because, you know, after Jace passed away, I had an awesome stroller. Stroller that cost me $7,000 sitting in my garage. I first tried to give it to a friend, but she couldn't use it. So we did this kind of three-way trade where I gave mine to someone else and then she received one and it worked out great. Get on Team J's page on Facebook and contact me. I will help you fight. And if that doesn't work, we'll find another way. I think so many parents just feel helpless because you're at so many people's mercy. You're at your child's syndrome. You know, their, their diagnosis is mercy. The doctors, what will the doctors do? What will the insurance pay for? It's not up to them. It's up to you and what you're willing to do. Valerie, thank you. 
for taking the time. You are very welcome.